The Fields of Home by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1953, Chapter 19, The Stone Rake. <clears throat> Lord God, I give you uh, thanks for the life you give, for how you uh, give us food every day, water to drink. Thank you for your rest at night, for warm houses during the winter months. I thank you, Lord, for the sunshine and for the uh, precipitation. Lord, all things uh, come from your hand, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I finished plowing Monday night and expected to haul dressing Tuesday morning, but I didn't. After breakfast, I was harnessing the other colt when from the stallway, grandfather snapped. Let be, let be, you go to picking rocks off the high field. There's an auction I got to attend over to Sabatis. Calculate on keeping my eye peeled for a milk cow or two. Butter's 28 cents. Dressing is tarnal short, and there's plenty hay. Hitch old Nell to the spring wagon. Grandfather went down to the hives and was still there when I'd finished harnessing and had Nell hitched to the wagon. She's all ready, I called out as I led her toward the house. Without looking up from the hive, he was watching Grandfather said crossly, let be, let be, get after them rocks. How small-sized ones do you want me to pick up, I asked. Get them all. Get them all above the size of a hen's egg, he half shouted. Calculate that'll keep you out of mischief whilst my back is turned. I haven't been in any mischief, I told him, and I got, I get a lot more work done when your back is turned. <laughs> Grandfather sprang up as if a bee had stung him. He scowled up and shouted at me, mind your manners. And don't go just a picking rocks off the top, neither. Fetch along a potato fork and a bushel basket and turn up them that's under the ground. Pick them clean and pile them close again the nice side of the orchard wall. While I'd been plowing the high field, I told myself there must be 10,000 rocks on it. When I began picking them up, it seemed more like a million. A few were as big as a watermelon, but most of them were from four to seven inches through. And nearly every one was almost round. <clears throat> After an hour, my belt back felt as if it were breaking, and I'd only cleared a patch ten feet square. At that rate, it would take me six months to clear a field. Besides that, I couldn't see any sense in digging a million rocks out of that old hay field just to plant more hay on it. I never cared how hard the work was if I could see it needed to be done. But to be given an endless, useless job so it would keep me out of mischief, particularly when I hadn't been into any mischief, that made me sore. The wall at the top of the orchard lay right along the brow of the hill, a quarter mile south of the buildings. Every time I straightened up to get the kinks out of my back, I'd look over and see Grandfather still fussing around the beehives. <clears throat> and every time I saw him, it made me a little sorer. I made up my mind that I'd be careful to stay out of mischief, but I wouldn't break my back or hurry while I was doing it. It wasn't until about 11 o'clock that Grandfather left the beehives. I watched him go out to meet the mail carrier, go into the house for a couple of minutes, then drive away. As I dragged the potato fork through the loose dirt, I began thinking that if I were a giant and had a big rake, I could clean off that field as easy as raking pebbles on a beach. Next, I began wondering how I could make a big rake that a horse could pull. I started monkeying around with the potato fork handle, sticking it under half-buried, um, half-round stones, half-buried round stones at different angles, and pushing it along to see how they'd move. If I slanted it just right, the stones would turn and slide up the fork handle to the top of the ground. After finding how the rocks moved, it didn't take any inventing at all to know how to make a stone rake. All I'd 
need would be a sort of harrow with long teeth set at just the right angle and close enough together that they'd break up every stone bigger than a hen's egg. The teeth would have to be set in the shape of a V with the open with the point open so it would roll the raked stones into a narrow row. It was a little after 12 o'clock when I went to the house for dinner, and Millie was furious. My being late didn't help any, but it was grandfather she was really mad at. The morning had been hot and muggy. The kitchen was swarming with flies, and Millie was shooing them away from the table with her apron. Every time she flapped it, she'd blurt out a few words. Where you been? What sort of devilment you been hatching up now? Devilish wonder the flies ain't hit the vegetables before you come to get them. Thomas, tell you where he was going? To an auction, I told her. He said butter was 28 cents a pound, and he wanted to get another cow or two. He didn't think I'm going to make him no butter in this fly trap. Hmph. Come out looking like blueberry muffins. Levi promised he'd make me screens afore he went back to Boston. The wire's around here someplace, and he'd have made him too, if Thomas hadn't run him off. What does Thomas think I'd be, a sneak thief? Looking, locking his bedroom door before he steps foot off the place. Good Lord, I got two minds to go, to one to go off and leave him right now. Millie sounded <clears throat> mad enough to have gone, and I didn't want her to, so I said, I've had two minds to go, to, to, to one to go all morning, but I'm not going, and I'll make a deal with you. I know where the screen wire is, and I'll make screens for you the first chance I get, if you'll help me make a stone rake now. Millie looked sort of frightened. She'd been shouting, but her voice dropped almost to a whisper. Did Thomas tell you to make it? She asked. No, he didn't, I said. But I'm going to make it anyway. It would take me from now till next hang to time to pick all the rocks off that field by hand, and I'm not going to do it. If what he wants is to get rid of the rocks... I'll do it for him, but I'm not going to do a useless job the hardest way just so I won't have the time to do anything else. I won't help you, Millie snapped. Ain't Thomas mad enough at you already for what you've done to the dump cart? He can get just as mad as he wants to, I said. I'll go back to Boston before I'll dig another stone out of that field. Millie's underlip trembled, and she said, I'll help you, Ralphie. I won't stay here alone with him another blessed day. He's so cussed at contrary since he'd come home from his reunion with the, uh, that the Almighty himself couldn't live with him alone. That was the first time anybody ever called me Ralphie when I liked it. It looked like Millie, I mean, it took Millie and me most of the afternoon to make the stone rake. To get the, <clears throat> the right size spikes, I had to knock half the teeth out of a homemade harrow I found behind a sheep barn. And for the framing, we used an oak 4x6 from the carriage house attic. I didn't know just how wide we could make the rake without it being too heavy for one horse to pull, but there was just enough lumber to make it four feet, so that was the width we built it. Grandfather had a drag for hauling heavy stones. It was just three wide oak planks bolted together and had the front end rounded up a little like a sleigh. I hitched the yellow colt to the drag, loaded the new stone rake on it, and drove to the high field. As I drove, I had to think a little about which end of the field I'd better start on. Grandfather often came up the roadway that led through the high field. If I started there, he'd probably catch me within a day or two and make me stop using the rake. If I started on the backfield, he might not catch me so soon. But he'd think I wasn't getting anything done, and I'd have to show him the rake. After a few minutes, I decided I'd start right at the roadway. I wasn't going to try to hide anything, and if he got mad about it, I could always go back to Boston. I unloaded the rake at the near corner of the field, hitched the yellow colt to it, and clucked to him. With the long teeth slanted well forward, the rake dug itself deep into the ground, 
After two or three steps, the old horse stopped and looked back, as though he were trying to tell me he couldn't pull it. When I swung the line ends up, he lunged forward a few more steps. The plowed soil inside the rake wings seemed, rake wings seemed to boil. Rocks came to the surface and rolled out through the tail of the V. There was no question but what the rake was heavy for one horse to pull, or that it, it did a better job if it was pulled fast. After the first few tries, the yellow colt learned to hit the collar hard, tear into it for 15 or 20 yards, and stop and rest till he caught his wind. I never raked more than one round across the field at a time. Then I'd hitch him to the drag, load the rocks with a dung fork, and haul them to the wall. Of course, all the rocks didn't work the same way. When we'd run into a big one that wouldn't go uh, through the back of the V, I'd have to lift it out. <clears throat> all the larger ones had to be lifted on and off the drag, too. It was an awful lot faster and easier than doing all the work by hand. And I nearly forgot that it was a useless job. Grandfather didn't come home till it was pitch dark, and I had the chores nearly finished. I was coming up from the sheep barn with the lantern when he sprang out from the dooryard. Ralphie! Millie, come see what I fetched you home. Come a-running! His voice was as pleasant as if it had been as it had been crossed that morning. By gory, I sure made a powerful good trade over to the auction. You'll like her, Ralphie. Brindle. Clever as a kitten. Got a bag on her bigger than a wash tub. So, bossy so. Calculate she'll freshen in about three or four days. Powerful big in the girth. So, boss. Ralphie, ain't gonna hurt you. I held the lantern up as I went past the spring wagon. The cow tied to the back of it was in good flesh. Had a nice brindle color and looked to be awfully heavy with calf. I wouldn't have guessed her to be over five years old, and she was gentle when I led her to the spring for water and then to the tie-up. All through supper, Grandfather talked about the auction, the new cow, what a good trade he'd made on her, and how many more cows he was going to buy. He was never crossed once, and he didn't ask me how many rocks I'd picked off the high field. It was nearly 10 o'clock before we went to bed. The next morning, Grandfather came to the tie-up while I was milking. I didn't hear him till he sang out, Gory, sakes alive, Ralphie. Ain't she a beauty? He ran his hand along the new cow's back, pressed it against first against against first one side of her and then the other. Gory sakes, gory sakes, he said over and over as he had as he laid a palm against her, pressed it with the other hand, and seemed to be listening. Great thunderation. Wouldn't it be a mite surprise if she was to have twin calves. Gory sakes. Might happen they'd be steers. Ralphie, did you ever drive a yoke of steers? Powerful good critters in the woods. Steady. Ain't high strong and flibber to gibbet like horses. I and you might need a yoke of steers once we get to clearing the wilderness field. I didn't know what grandfather meant by the wilderness field, but it made me remember about the rocks in the high field. So I asked, is it all right if I use the stone drag to haul rocks off the high field? Some of them are pretty heavy to carry. Hosses, 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 grandfather snapped. Can't you do nothing without hosses? I got to use old Nell. Got to attend every auction roundabouts. Got to keep my eye peeled for milk cows. A four snow flies, I calculate on having every one in every stanchion in the tie-up. How many stanchions is there, Ralphie? Before he'd finished, the edge was all gone from his voice, so I said, there are ten good ones and two broken. If I fix the broken ones, can I use the yellow colt for hauling rocks? For hauling rocks? Have to be all fired careful of him. High strung. Ain't fit for a boy to handle. Twelve, he say, gory. Afore the fire, there was twenty. Come winter, I and you'll have get out the timber for building on the rest of the barn. By fire, I do believe this old heifer is going to have twin calves. Twould tickle me if they was steers. When I looked up from stripping Clara Bell, Grandfather was gone. I thought there was going to be a bad wrangle at the breakfast table the next morning. 
The night had turned a little chilly from the, for the end of July, and flies were thick on the kitchen ceiling. Millie was peevish about them. When Grandfather began talking about all the cows she was going to buy, she snapped, Better get dry ones or fetch cows along with them. If you're calculating on make, me making butter in, the, in this beehive of flies, you've got another calculator coming. Instead of blowing up, Grandfather chuckled, Feisty, ain't you, Millie girl? Come fall, I'm calculating on fetching 100 pounds of butter a week off to Lewiston. Ought to be 30 cents come fall. <clears throat> Millie sniffed. What you calculate on selling it for, mincemeat? She looked up the ceiling and sniffed again. Time cold weather comes, and them flies start to fall, and all the extra it'll need is a peck of chopped apples. Grandfather threw his head back and laughed right out loud. <clears throat> then he stopped suddenly, with his mouth open and his eyes looking all around the ceiling. Gory sakes alive! Don't never recollect seeing the little critters so thick. Hmm. Calculate I might keep my eye peeled for a good trade on some screen cloth. Whack you up some window screens once I get time. I didn't want Millie to push Grandfather any further, so I reached a foot out to tap her under the table. Either she didn't notice it, or she didn't know what I meant. She leaned forward and said quickly, Levi fetched screening. Ralph knows where it's at. He'll make him for me. I'll help. Eat your victuals. Eat your victuals, Ralphie. Grandfather snapped and pushed his chair back to the table. Time flies, and we got to get them tunnel rocks off the high field before snow flies. Get your hosses out. Get your hosses out and keep an eye on that new cow whilst I'm to the auction. Like as not, she'll freshen any minute now. Even with the rake, clearing the stones from the high field was a hard job. But for the next four days, I had fun doing it. I stepped off the length of the field and found that to cover it all would take 105 trips across and back with a stone rake. If Grandfather didn't catch me using it and if I could do a row an hour, I figured the whole job could be finished in 20 days. As soon as the yellow colt and I got used to it, we could clear a row and have five or ten minutes to rest in every hour. Each evening, I watched Annie Little Hale to go for her cows and wave to her. Friday evening, I went down to the pasture wall and talked to her for a few minutes. Before I went back, she asked me to go to Sunday school with her the next Sunday. I said I would, but I didn't. I don't know where Grandfather found all the auctions, but he went to one every day that week, and he always did it in just the same way. He'd either be in the house or down at the beehive till the mailman came. Then he'd drive away as fast as he could go. He brought home two heifer calves, a worn-out mowing machine, and a lot of odds and ends that he piled on the bench in the carriage house. He never came home till dark. He never came near the high field, and we never could tell what he'd be like when he got home. Two evenings, he was as proud and happy as a kitten with his first mouse. The other two, he was cross, snapped it, and shouted at both Millie and me, and went to bed just as soon as he'd eaten a few bites of supper. Friday night was one of the good ones, and Saturday night was terrible. When I brought the cows into the tie-up Friday night, it was easy to see that the brindle cow was awfully near to her time. She was lying down in her stanchion, rocking her head and sort of moaning, and she was a little feverish. After I'd stanchioned the other cows, I got her up, put her in the spare box stall, and brought her a bucket of water. Grandfather came home just as I was going to the house for the milk pails, and he shouted to me as he turned in the driveway from the road, Bye, gory Ralphie, I fetched just home a tarnal fine trading cow. Got a calf. Heifer. Made a powerful trade and good trade on him. How's the brindles doing? I didn't shout back, but waited for him at the corner of the woodshed and told him I thought that brindle was about ready to calf. Before he'd go look at her, he wanted me to see the new cow and calf. They were both pretty and, and looking, pretty sad looking. The calf wasn't more than two or three days old. It was lying out flat on the floor of the spring wagon, and it looked like a bundle of bones done up in a spotted calf skin. 
The cow looked even worse. There wasn't enough meat on her to make a good meal for a coyote. She was knock-kneed in front and splay-footed in the back. She had narrow horns on a narrow head that hung like a tired camel's, and her udder looked like a half-peck of potatoes in an old cotton bag. Gory, ain't she the best trading cow ever you've seen? Grandfather asked as he climbed down from the wagon. He didn't wait long enough that I had to answer, but ran his hand along her hummocky back and kept right on talking. Little dight on the thin side, but that ain't nothing good some provender won't take care of. Mark the veins along the sides of that bag. Don't put them kind of veins on there for nothing, Ralphie. Don't calculate she's more than eight, nine years old. Spunk right up with a little good provender in her. Calculate she ought to be good for two, three pounds of butter a day. You fetch the calf on down to the sheep barn whilst I put the cow in the tie-up. Gory sakes, that was a powerful good trade that I made. When I'd taken the new calf to the sheep barn, unhitched Nell and had taken her to the barn, Grandfather was in the stall with the brindle cow. Fetch me the lantern. Fetch me the lantern, Ralphie. He called as I led Nell into the barn. We got a tarnal sick cow in our hands. Tell Millie to fetch a kettle of hot water and the wash basin. It's twins, all right, and I calculate they're tangled. We didn't have any supper that night. Grandfather was hardly off his knees from the time I brought the lantern. He was as gentle with the cow as a mother would be with a sick baby. But every once in a while, he'd snap it and order uh, sharply at Millie or me. As he worked over her, he told us the cows would both be either heifers or steers because they were in the same sack and that they were going to be born backwards. It was nearly midnight before Grandfather delivered the second steer calf, moved it forward so its, to, so its mother could lick it, and climbed to his feet. He was so tired that his shoulders slumped forward, but he seemed happy and as proud as if the two star-faced cat, red calves had been his own babies. Gory sakes, children. Ain't they pretty ones, he asked. Then he straightened up for a minute and said, By fire, Ralphie, them's going to make us a yoke of steers. Come three-year-olds, they'll fetch a log out of the woods that no team of hosses this side the address Scoggin could budge an inch. Calculate we'll need him once we go to clear in the wilderness field. He leaned over, patted the cow's head, and whispered to her, Your trouble's all over for this trip. You'll be fit as a fiddle come morning. Man, there's a lot going on, so... Really clever how Ralph can invent something like a rock rake. And then the amazing thing of grandfather being able to get the twin calves out. So, love you guys. Have a great uh, day.